0: Hey, drama listeners, both new ones and longtime ones. I'm so happy to share with you this episode today with Adam Pascal, the legend, the Tony nominee, the Roger from Rent. But before we jump into that, I want to ask you if you want to support the pod in other ways than just listening weekly. We have our Patreon at patreon.com backslash the drama podcast, where you can check out all of our exclusive bonus content over 40 bonus episodes from all the time that we've been recording these as well as you'll be added to our Instagram close friends where we all know that's where the magic happens okay and you'll only be spending five dollars a month for extra content supporting us and the podcast so we can continue to bring incredible guests incredible content and everything that you've ever dreamed of your way so please check it out and enjoy this episode it was surely a dream come true for us Press play,
1: curtain up an hour in. It's time to taste in the shade and tea to spill.
0: Ooh, drama.
1: Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book who got on They option? no. Oh, I'm not well. What star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love. In life in, in New, New York, York City, City and, and the world. world. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. Connor, this is a big one. I, I know, we're not gonna mess around with like what you've been up to lately, what's been I going know. on. None of that. I have to say, you know, we talk about the Ring of Keys moment on drama, right? That mm-hmm. moment you realized you wanted a, a piece of the arts in your life forever. And you know, when we were like 11, 12 years old, we really got into theater and you know i remember we were at the movie theater and before the movies they would play musical theater songs with trivia i don't know what deal cinemark had struck with whatever producers or recording Uh labels or whatever but anyway they would play songs from wicked and do wicked trivia so we discovered wicked Mm -hmm. and in turn rent through adina menzel and then rent the film was a ring of keys moment for sure we were obsessed 11 12 years old listening to things singing lyrics we truly had no grasp of. you know? Oh, I
0: remember singing La Vie Boheme and singing a series of e- expletives and things. <laughs> our parents would be like, do they know what they're saying? But I also will say, I think the trailer for the Rent movie musical played before one of the Lord of the Rings movies, because I think that was around that time. Oh, and really? I remember we were sitting there with our mom, and she, when our guest today popped up with the, the longer hair, uh-huh. she went, oh, he's cute. <laughs> 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 wow, that's
1: funny. I think it was. I think it was the two towers. I want to say it was two towers. I think that would track. Around we'll have to confirm dates. Is. Yeah, but that's you know, so famously, rent was in our lives for a long time, and then cut to ten years later. I'm graduating from college, making the big move to New York, and I was applying. I was for there
0: t- too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we famously did college together, mm-hmm. and we both wanted to move to New York together. And I remember applying for jobs and internships like crazy that last semester, trying to yeah. make the move to the big city. And I stumbled upon the website for for New York Theatre Workshop. And there was a photo on the top of the screen of Daphne Rubin Vega. Right. And I said to you, oh, D- if Daphne Rubin is on the website, this is where I need to work. Right. Lo and behold, New York Theatre Workshop took me in as an intern for the next six months. I met Daphne when I was working the ticket booth. It's funny how Rent has sort of trailed through my life in this yeah. way, in your life too. Yeah. And it was there at the beginning. It was there at the beginning of my New York journey. And now even here we are with an icon. Like well, I've got to,
0: yeah, I've got to say, because when I was interning while at 54 Below, while you were at New York Theater Workshop, our guest and Anthony Rapp had a duo show going on. Of course. Fall. Yes. Unforgettable. It was, it was all the buzz. I, I remember I was the in-elevator security in case any pesky little rent heads came crawling up the, <laughs> oh, the elevator. Those pesky rent heads. They, they find their ways. I wish I could say we were the ones that camped out in front of the Nederlander, but that was just before our time. That wasn't our story. No. Our story was the movie.
1: It was, and we'll dive into all of Connor, kind of bring in our guest. Our guest today is a full-blown legend known to the world as the man who brought Roger Davis to life in Rent in the original Broadway and Off-Broadway Casts, Film Version, London Cast, and National Tour of the Tony Award-winning musical. For his portrayal of Roger, our guest received Tony and Drama Desk nominations, winning the Drama League, Obie, and Theater World Award. He brought his immense talent to Roundabout's revival of Cabaret as the closing MC. I mean, can we talk about iconic? To Aida as Radames, Chicago as Billy Flynn, Memphis as Huey Lewis, Disaster as Chad, Something Rotten as Shakespeare, Pretty Woman as Edward, and much more. He also performed in the Actors Fund Concerts of Hair and Chess. As a musician, our guest has sold out venues on tour all around with his original music, having released two solo rock albums, as well as on a collaborative rock album with pianist Larry Edoff. You will know his inimitable presence from School of Rock, SLC Punk, Temptation, Falling Star, Cold Case, Rent Live, and so many independent films and projects. He's forever a part of theater history, a rock star for all seasons, and a true hero. Please welcome to drama, Adam Adam Pascal! Pascal.
2: hello hello fellas what what an incredible intro can you guys follow me around everywhere and any any place i have to actually walk into i i'd like you to present me in that way because that was really great thank you
1: yes like a town crier <laughs> yes. like, i thought you'd never <laughs> ask dream job
2: <laughs> that was really great thank you guys it's very it's lovely to be here thanks for having me.
1: oh well thanks welcome to drama adam are you well
2: i am well i'm i'm very well i am uh you know obviously we we all went through some horrible times and and are still going through a lot of that. But I was in a, a, a really bad place around the, you know, the new year, around the turn of the year, you know, between October and February it was horrible, but uh, I'm great now. And I'm here in New York, back in New York where I grew up in, uh, you know, in my hometown. And I'm just, I'm really doing much, much better.
0: I can feel the energy coming from you. That is so fantastic. Oh, thank you. Did you live elsewhere in the first yes. part of the pandemic?
2: Yes. So um, I have been living in Los Angeles for the oh. last 13 years, basically, right after the Rent movie. So it was 2006, we moved out there. So I've been in LA uh, since then. I'm getting divorced. Oh. Um, and so and so I split from my wife and moved out in January. We had been separated before that, you know, like during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but I moved out in January and uh, I moved to Vegas for a little while Ooh. and-, and and now, but then, but my, you know, been coming back to New York has, was pulling me back. So now I'm back.
1: Home always calls you. Yes, it, does. it does. I was just going to say that. Yeah. It does. It well, really you seem does. very Zen.
2: Um, I, you know, I, that, I, I suppose that's a way of looking at it as somebody who has spent uh, many years, most of my life as somebody who wasn't Zen <laughs> and somebody who's <laughs> kind of volatile um i search for tranquility and calmness now so i'm it's an active pursuit you know what i mean i'm not somebody who's just always chill you know it's interesting people who maybe are fans of mine or or know something about me and have a perception of me and but they don't really know anything about me uh i think are always taken aback and surprised when they talk to me and they realize that i'm like just this jew from the bronx and, I, and I like, it. You know, like some people think I'm like, a lot of people have this perception of me that like I'm California boy or a Midwestern, you know, like, and I'm like, no, no, I'm like Larry David. I'm just like this gesticulating guy. Like he was like, no, that's not supposed to happen. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: the hands were right. I, I totally got that at that moment. You seem great. And we're so stoked to have you here. I mean, as you heard, we've, we've, we've had you in our lives for so long and I suppose because the start of your career was Rent. So your entire time in the public eye, that's what people have maybe been the first thing they've identified you with. Of
2: course. so cool. And certainly even to this day, I'm most closely related to that show, understandably so. But I've had such a great career and and I, in many ways, certainly owe it to, to that. You know what I mean? That launched everything, you know? But, you know, at a certain point, you can only sort of ride that wave for so long you know, and, and eventually you have to prove your medal, as it were, <laughs> you know, and, and, oh, yeah. and I feel like I'm still doing that, you know what I mean? But that's kind of the fun of the career, you know, is, is still kind of doing that. You do things
0: that surprise us. It, you're, it's announced that you're part of a different project. I think that it's always so cool because you, you show that you have range. Like seeing that you went into Pretty Woman or seeing that you went into something rotten, like you're not afraid to replace or do different cool projects. And I really admire that about you.
2: I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I, you know, uh, it's definitely, again, a conscious pursuit on my part to, to do that kind of thing. You know, I, I, I figured out very early on that uh, if I was going to have a career and it was really cabaret which was the thing that sort of like solidified it but that if i was going to have a career with any kind of longevity i needed to i needed to do that i needed to to break out of the rock the broadway rock and roll guy that people had already sort of like put me in that box already and mm-hmm. so i knew that it was very important for me to make decisions that showed other things you know and it was and interestingly enough even though i knew that i had to do that I didn't know if I had those other things, so it was it. Was, it's been a constant sort of like um, self discovery on my part of like, oh, I can do that too. I didn't know that. Not that it comes so naturally. I mean, I, I work really hard, but like you know, um, <laughs> again, it's been a wonderful p- aspect of my career is all of this all of this self discovery that's been going on for me.
0: I love it. Anytime you've ever stepped into a role, and I and we're going to go back to the beginning eventually, but I'm curious: did you ever step into something and had true self doubt where you thought? Oh, I don't think I can do this. Like the last minute, right before it was about to go up.
2: That's a good question. No, I haven't, because I I don't. Hmm. I've never taken on a role that I didn't really believe was in there. So by the time it's ready to go, it's like you know we've been rehearsing. We've you know like so so no, I've I've never felt like that, and I I've been extremely fortunate, I guess, that that's the case. Every job that I've had, every show that I've done. In my mind, and and this is irregardless of is that a word? Have we discuss, have we decided have we figured out if that's a word? <laughs> It's still up in the air. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it. And let's put a little asterisk yeah, next yeah. to it. Um, uh, <laughs> so irregardless of, of of a show of a show's uh, success financially, they've all been successes to me. You know what I mean? Like I've had an amazing mm-hmm. experience on every show I've ever worked on. I've loved every single one of them. So I've been extremely fortunate, you know, in that regard as well.
1: I love to hear that. Well, it's interesting to hear you saying that you love, you know, you love all your projects because I'm, I was thinking about Disaster, which was a much loved but short- running show.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was um it was so sad that that show didn't do better because it was it was the certainly the most fun that I've ever had on a nightly basis in any show. Because I loved the show so much that when I wasn't on stage, I was in the wings watching, you know, I had never went to my dressing room. I was always in the wings watching, you know, cause, and I laughed with the audience every night. Like it was the, the silliest, goofiest, most fun thing that I've ever done. And, uh, I was just, yeah, I was really disappointed yeah. that I didn't do better. I, mean, I, I think it's, I think it will come back at some point. I think it will be revived, and it'll do great. I think so too. Is
0: it done like around like community theaters or regional? Yes, lots,
2: tons. Okay, good. absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's getting done a lot
0: because that nun, that nun role is probably what that local star has been waiting for. <laughs>
2: that's right, to step that's into. right, indeed.
1: <laughs> that is so funny. You know, if I were you, Adam, the show that I would have been watching from the wings on would have been Aida because I can't get enough of Heather Headley's voice. I mean, and Sherry Renee Scott, I mean, come on. And then Adina Menzel went, I mean, give me a break.
2: Yeah, I agree with you on that as well. And um, yeah, I you know, again, I, I've worked with the greatest actresses on Broadway, you know what I mean? And, I've, and I'm, I feel so fortunate. You know, um, and and they've worked with one of the greatest actors on Broadway and they should feel just as They fortunate. have, you know that's right. When we talk to them one
1: day, that's what we're going to get them to talk. And absolutely, we're absolutely. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're kind of j- talking about a lot of different things that you've been involved in but i want to ask you a question we ask all of our guests which is about the beginnings of that that moment when you realized oh my gosh i love the arts performing music whatever it is and we call it the ring of keys moment do you have that moment
2: yeah well it is hard to to sort of uh, reduce it to one particular moment um i discovered at a very early age how much i loved to sing and how much I loved music, you know, um, and my earliest memories of that are, are Barry Manilow and Billy Joel and Elton John, you know, in the in the late 70s, mm-hmm. you know, those are my earliest memories of really like falling in love with songs and the Beatles, like hearing songs, falling in love with songs and wanting to hear those songs over and over again, and, and then starting to sing along with them and really sing and like sort of understanding in a way that I could sing. I was like, wait, I I actually sound like that person. Mm. You know what I mean? And so in my early adolescence, I I discovered, you know, rock and roll, (laughs) you know and, and being in a rock band and what that meant. And because I had this skill and it was the only skill I had was was singing. You know what I mean? Okay, well, what do you do with that? You you join a rock band and you become a rock mm-hmm. star. That's what that's how you that's how you use that skill, you know. Um, and that's what I did. And so and that happened at like 11 years old, you know, I I formed a band with some friends and, you know, like there were a lot of things that actually came together for me in that regard. You know, I grew in, in the town that I grew up in on Long Island, there was a, a rehearsal studio in our town that, that had like three big rehearsal rooms. They have them in New York city now. And, you know, and in those rooms, there'll be, there's a drum set and there's a PA system and amplifiers and you go and you rent it out for a couple of hours and you just jam. Mm -hmm. And so we, as kids, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, like we would start going there. We'd rent out the rooms it was probably like $10 an hour And we would jam and, and like And we did it all the time Mountain Sound I think it was called And that's really Like had we not had that Outlet where we could express Desire to play music And be in bands And do all that stuff You know um, I mean I suppose You do it in someone's garage
0: And what was the band
2: called? Oh th- who even knows It wasn't even a yeah. band back then It was just <laughs> a bunch of guys you know, It was just me and my friends Playing you know Ozzy Osbourne And uh, <laughs> Iron Maiden and, and Def Leppard songs
1: Were you the lead singer?
2: Yeah Always Oh, yeah, always. Yeah. I'm
0: trying to see, imagine you at 11 years old. Did you always sort of have that gritty quality to your voice?
2: I think yes and no. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's it's something that just developed naturally. Uh, yeah. You know, my sound and my style is just something that developed naturally out of the odd conflagration <laughs> of of my of my influences and my mm-hmm. of my of my vocal influence.
1: That's and so like, weird because I was um, always singing like Brittany and Whitney and I never really quite had that <laughs> vocal talent. So you lucked out Adam. You really <laughs> did.
2: Well I you know I I was attracted to the singers that were, you know, I was attracted to, to guys that had like that high, powerful tenor sound, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the Freddie Mercury's, the Steve Perry's. And also, you know, I, I always try and give these guys props as singers. Uh, because they don't get it enough as singers, but Elton John and Billy Joel were were are, are amazing singers with such unique, distinctive-sounding voices, and they just they don't get enough credit for their their singing, you know. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and so they were, you know, as singers, they were a big influence on me as well. And then some of the you know the hard rock singers that I grew up listening to and trying to idolize, uh, not trying to, I did idolize them and I tried to yeah. sound like them. Uh, a guy named Bruce Dickinson from um, Iron Maiden, he was he was by far if I had to pick one guy between the ages of like 12 and 16, that I just wanted to sing like it was, it was him and him and, and Ronnie James Dio, a guy named Ronnie James Dio. Uh, it was, it was those two guys.
0: Living so close to the city, were you able to go in and see concerts? Like, do you remember what your first concert might've been?
2: Yes. But, but concerts for me was, you know, we had the Nassau Coliseum. So that's where all the, all, oh. all, all, the, all the big concerts came to Nassau Coliseum. So my first concert was a band called Foghat. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's not my, it was Triumph and Foghat. It was a band called Triumph. And and hat, those two bands. That was my first concert. And that was probably, I want to say 81, maybe. Okay. Maybe 81. Okay. 81, 82. But I, you know, I I was in the city all the time. My father lived in Manhattan. Um, and so okay. and 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 our proximity to Manhattan, like, you know, growing up on Long Island, most kids spend a Good amount of their socializing and social life going into the city every weekend. Once you hit a certain oh, age, yeah. you know you hop on the train and you're, you know, you're in the city. So, um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, so a, a good amount of of my upbringing was 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 there.
0: And so then, obviously, you're bringing all these influences together, and it's sort of this famous story that Adina Menzel and you grew up in the same area, and that was how you got down the, the street, for rent, but down the block.
2: <laughs> yeah. crazy.
0: And then both of you end up in these supernova pop culture phenomenons. Yeah. That's
2: how I ended up getting the audition It was because she, she contacted me and said that she was doing this show and she knew that they were uh, having trouble casting this part. And then it sounded like me and did it, was it something I wanted to audition for that they were seeing people that didn't necessarily have any prior theater background. Mm.
0: And so, okay. So, so obviously you're super into music and rock and roll and everything. When, when a theater audition comes your way, was that of interest to you? Because you haven't mentioned it yet and I might be wrong. Was there a theater sort of bug that bit you at any point in those years?
2: Well, I can tell you that yes, yes, there was. And and it actually goes back to something you were talking about Connor at the top of the show, which was the seeing the rent movie and how the rent movie affected you. I had that exact same experience with Hair, the movie of Hair. I had never seen I was the same age that you were when you saw Rent, when I saw Hair, and and I remember singing Sodomy and singing these songs <laughs> that I didn't know the what the words meant. I mean, mm-hmm. I literally had the same experience, and the movie had such a visceral effect on me. To this day, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, and so I, I had that experience.
1: That's really interesting, you know, to think about us. Yeah. I mean, not to make you seem old, because you are young as can be, Adam. But you know, maybe like twenty <laughs> years apart, <laughs> you know, or so, having these similar experiences about projects with source material that was a little bit punk rock, a little bit, t- you know, talking about right. things on the fringes or on the, in the margins. You know, <laughs> that maybe was a little. not, not, it shouldn't have been okay for us at that age to be taking these in, but it really speaks to you because of course you want to take it in. It's part of life. It's part of these feelings and emotions you're already feeling. So I think that's really cool. That's really cool.
2: And it was not just hair. It was also the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It was those two movies that I saw at such a pivotal age, 11, 12 years old. And I, I just, I was obsessed with both of them. Now I have to say that hair has aged much better than the Rocky Horror Picture Show has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so from a very early age, I definitely was into musical films. I, I loved Grease. I, I loved Grease. I loved, you know, um, Saturday Night Fever and yeah I, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. I just loved it. And, and also, interestingly enough, I was always drawn to bands that were musical storytellers. The Who's Tommy was a huge, huge, you know, influence mm. on me. Pink Floyd and, and and Pink Floyd's The Wall specifically was, a, you know, like telling stories through music. I've always been yeah. drawn to that conceptually also. And then the other thing I'll say, and, and I don't mention this much because it was only two weeks out of my life, but I do think it's relevant. In the late 70s, I think I was seven or eight years old, I went to what is now a very famous musical theater summer camp called Stage Door Manor. And and I went there for two weeks. I, I don't know how or why my parents ended up sending me there, but they did, and uh, so.
0: needed a babysitter for two weeks.
2: In a way, yeah, I guess. It didn't work well because <laughs> I cried the whole time, so. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I But I ended up actually
1: loving it. Speaking of Rocky Horror, I remember, I, th- I think this was at the duo show you did with Anthony at 54 Below, maybe in like 2016. You sang a thrilling rendition of um, "Yes,
2: yeah, so There's a Light." There's a light.
1: I loved that version, oh, Adam.
2: Thank you, thank you. I, yeah, um, I'm always trying to figure out a way to work in some some stuff from Rocky Horror. And as a matter of fact, um, yes. in my show that I'm doing right now, I I open the show with uh, a couple of little musical segues one of which is a, a piece from there's the there's from that song.
1: Oh, how cool love. So I've love. I've,
2: I've managed to work it into in the, in the first 30 seconds of my show, I've, i worked it in. Which is
1: and great. this and this will be available to stream, right? This is in is this in the streaming version? Uh, not, not,
2: not that one. That, one. that song and mm-hmm. that thing that I'm describing is not on that streaming thing that that is available that is okay. becoming available on the 17th. I believe.
1: So this was in the one that you were doing you were doing live shows in New York. Yes, I am. How, how was that after this pandemic, you know?
2: Was that a was that a cool experience? It's, it's been amazing. And, and to go back to 54 Below, which is like, you know, look, as, as somebody who 54 Below in a way over the years has become kind of like a home to me, like for me and my solo performing. Um, and, you know, growing up in New York and growing in, up in rock bands and, you know, knowing sort of the mythology of like. Certainly like Springsteen and the Stone Pony and like, you know, Prince in Minneapolis. Like, you know, these artists that had these homes that like were their home bases, like, you know, and they showed up there because that's where they started. And that was like, you know, like, oh, God, what a cool thing. I always wanted to have this like home base, like where I went to play. And so anyway, 54 Below has kind of become that for me. Um, So to go back there and start, you know, to reemerge from this pandemic there has been so amazing you know I yeah. love it there
0: I worked there for three years in the marketing department it is a home to me as well I love that place so much and I can only imagine how hungry the audience is especially the regulars were to have you come back
2: because it's, well, it's been a little while it, yeah it's it has been and and you know I've and I've had a lot of shows there I tomorrow I'm playing my sixth show in like a, you know a week and a half or wow. uh, a couple of, yeah or a couple of weeks but anyway um so it's been a lot I, and I was like are people even going to come after like the first show? <laughs> um, but people have been showing up and and it's been just, I've, I've had a blast. I've had a, just such a good time.
1: Oh, that's so amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. What type of music are you playing in the show?
2: Well, it's, it's a, again, it's solo acoustic. Um, it's just me and my guitar. And I, t- I do a lot of songs from, sh- from so- shows that I've been in. I do some songs from, that I've just been messing around with during the lockdown. I try and tie them together in some way. I tell some stories and, you know, hopefully try and make people laugh. And yeah, it's, and it's nice, tight, hour-long show. Mm-hmm. It's great. Perfect.
0: For those of us who aren't in the city right now, you're going to have this streaming show that's coming out through Stellar. What can you tell us about that concert in particular.
2: So that concert is is much more specifically my history. And there's no other there's no other music that doesn't pertain to that journey starting with Rent and going through up through Pretty Woman. And so I do a song from every show that I've been in and I talk about the shows and I talk about my experiences in the shows. And again, I try to make people laugh and, and but mm-hmm. um, now that's how it is when I play live. What I try when I wanted to capture it. I wanted to capture it, you know, on on film. And so we did this really what i think came out really well this really interesting experimental thing where i was literally in my apartment in in vegas and we set up like a three camera high depth shoot and when i say camera it was three iphones you know i'm um, was two iphones and an ipad and we recorded the sound live and i didn't record it all literally at once it was like i would do a couple of songs and then the next day i would do a couple of songs because it was the pro- mm-hmm. there was a process that went along with it. i did that over the course of of several days where i got all the songs recorded and then what we did was i you know i I wanted to still be able to tell my story in in a similar way to that I do on stage, but talking to the camera just didn't seem like the right way to do it. That seemed very yeah. um, stale, uh, sterile, maybe. Um, and so uh, I had my friend Jared Emick, Tony winner Jared Emick, who lives in Vegas and who's a buddy of mine. I said, "Do me a favor, come over. We'll have a couple of beers, and we'll set up the cameras, and you just interview me."
0: Mm, that's cool.
2: And and that's what we did. And then so that we we intercut that with the song performances and. So, and that's, that's basically what
0: the show is. Oh, it's genius. I love it. Yeah. That's going to be great.
1: I can't
2: wait. Yeah. It's, it, it came out great.
1: I'm so glad to hear it. Do you do Memphis Lives in Me?
2: I do Mem- Memphis Lives in Me. Oh, Memphis. I love oh my that God. Adam,
1: I, I spent the last 12 hours listening to you singing Memphis Lives in Me. Oh my For, I don't know what, that song brings out such an emotion in me and I don't know what it is. It's a great song. It's a great song. <laughs> that that yeah. must be it, that I don't really necessarily connect to this to what he's actually singing about, right. but I connect to the emotion in it. It is well, just Well that's what so well,
2: good. that's what makes a great song. Exactly what you just described. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Is that in a way, the lyrics can become... Incidental. It's the emotion, it's what the, it's the emotion that the music evokes and the and what the melody, what the melody evokes, you know what I mean? Think about so much pop music, like, and how so much of the lyrics are, are either misread, misinterpreted, misheard that, you know what I mean? When something's good, it becomes a hit, it affects people on a deeper level than that, you know?
1: Yes. Yes. So true. Okay. So on the topic of Memphis, what was it like going into that show? Like Dylan said, I love that you will go in and replace in these shows. I think it's, it's so cool.
2: I prefer to replace. I would rather replace. I, I think I'm probably the only actor who says that. And, and I don't know if it's that I'm the only one who admits it or the only one who actually feels that way, but, <laughs> but I really, I, I really would rather replace.
0: You've done some stellar replacement moments. We got to see you on tour in something rotten. And that was phenomenal.
2: Oh, thanks. Well, what's great about doing a first national tour is, yes, I replaced, but then I also get to originate it on the Mm -hmm. tour. There's a lot of pressure, clearly, um, when you originate a role. Um, And there's pressure... Not just you know internal pressure within you want to get it right you want to make it good you want to you do, do all that stuff but then there's showbiz pressure of like am I going to get a Tony nomination is the show going to get a Tony nomination blah 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 blah, blah stuff and like that just really when I went through that with Aida was really the last time I went through okay. that where I was like I really want a Tony nomination and then cried when I didn't get mm-hmm. it and felt heartbroken I was like I don't want to go through this and maybe. I mean, look, it, it, disaster was different because that was a the 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 next role I originated was disaster, you know, like, and and we all knew like it, it was not you know a Tony uh, gathering <laughs> show, Tony nominating, yeah. Well, um, that was the year of Hamilton, so, right? So was it? I don't even remember.
0: I think it was. It was a yes, big year. Yeah.
2: So I guess nobody had any shot anyway. Um, <laughs> but I have children and uh, I have raised a family you know, in, in show business. And to me, what became and is most paramount is working and having a steady job for as long as I can hold on to that job. And so when you replace, you're going into something that It's already successful. You know you're gonna have a job for a certain amount of time. And there's no, I I can relax and enjoy it and not worry about reviews and Tonys and nominations. And is it gonna close? And what are the numbers? And is it doing well enough? And are we gonna, oh, how long are we gonna run? I just, those stresses are just things that I prefer not to experience things. Life is stressful enough, you know, with other stuff. And so if I can avoid that, and also look, you know, stepping into a role that's already been created by a, a good actor and a good show, in a way makes your life easy. You know what I mean? Because you know they're giving they're giving you a nice sturdy skeleton in which to throw your own clay on.
1: I also think mm-hmm. there maybe it's hasn't been a thing in the last few years, but it's not often that you can go see your favorite, you know, Broadway performer doing an iconic role Every couple years, like they're often originating. It's, it's not. It, I don't know. It maybe feels a bit nostalgic to me that you can see someone who's already a superstar going into other shows. Like even with Rent, like Adina going in and doing Aida after Rent or something like that. Like right. I think that's really cool. And right. you were so funny on the Something Rotten tour. I uh, not right. that I didn't know you had it <laughs> in you, but I guess I'd never seen you do it before. Yeah. I mean, you got to combine not only the rock star side of you, but this hysterical comedic timing that was just pitch perfect. I loved you in Something Rotten. Uh, thank you. I did too.
2: And I and I loved that show so much and I have to say that I could not have been nearly as successful in that role were it not for Josh Grizzetti and and Rob McClure and mm-hmm. you know just you know, falling in love with the both, oh, and everybody else, of course, Blake Hammond and everyone else that I did that show with, you know, and just you know, we all fell in love with each other, and you know, um, and they're all brilliant comedians, and so like to put us mm-hmm. all into the same thing with with disaster, you know, like you p- put all of these brilliant comedic actors on stage, and it was like just like I would walk into rehearsal and immediately start laughing. I would just look at somebody, I'd <laughs> look at Roger, I'd look at Kevin, you know, like and like it just or Seth who makes me laugh more than anyone on the planet, oh, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I love doing musical comedy and, and, I, and I'm so glad that I got to do that show and that it was successful because I, I want to continue to do more. It's really it's really important to me in my career to continue to do musical comedy because I love it.
0: And you're phenomenal at it, too. We actually got to see you in Cleveland twice. So we saw you in Something Rotten and we got to see the the. I guess it was in a way the farewell tour for you and Anthony when the Rent Tour launched in Cleveland.
2: Oh, OK. So that was back in 2009. Yes. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you had like
1: the bleached short hair.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Well that's how I was in the original production, you know. It's interesting, you know, right before I, I went in and I auditioned for rent, I had Bon Jovi hair. I mean, I had I had a huge lion's mane of of eight <laughs> of eighties rock star hair. And I had just cut it all off and bleached it white. And that became the look that Roger kind of you know what I mean like and that's kind of like all of us in the original cast like the, you know the characters they get based on what we look like and that that's not just us that's any original cast you know what I mean to a certain extent Mm
1: -hmm. you know what was it like doing Rent yeah okay so that was what like almost 15 years later So you've had some more life under your belt. Was it very different experience to do it on tour? Yeah, it was
2: infinitely easier to do it (laughs) (laughs) coming back all of those years later. Because look, Rent was my first show. Obviously, when we ran on Broadway, I had never done anything like that before. I'd never done eight shows a week of anything. You know, I I, I don't think I'd ever done two shows back to back one night after another in my life. So you know, you come back 15 years later. And for me, anyway, I was just a better performer. I was a better actor, a better singer. I was better stronger faster you know and so it was mm-hmm. much more fun but it was also more fun because the black cloud that existed over the original run of that show with the original cast and having had jonathan die right. you know that 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 just was always this lingering thing and it infiltrated everything you know and and it made the experience not so much fun all the time, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of pressure mm. and there was a lot of sadness around, but coming back all of the, all the, those years later, that was all gone. You know what I mean? And so I got to ex- enjoy the show in a way that I didn't the first time around, you know, in, on an emotional
1: level. Wow. That's nice. I'm glad that you were able to have that second experience then. Cause you know, grief really, it perme I don't know if permeates the right word, but it can really, it, like you said, it takes over. And I'm sure yeah. his, with Jonathan's family being involved and, you know, there's legends about, was Rent actually finished, all that kind of, you've, you've heard everything right. at this point, sure. but yeah, I'm so glad you had that second run at it. And of course it was a dream for us because it was what a couple years after we had, you know, discovered Rent and saw the movie and we're like, oh my God, they're, I don't even know if it dawned on me back then that this was a rare experience to get to see right. two performers from one of your favorite <laughs> shows, step back into it after all this time. So I'm so glad you did it.
2: Uh, me too. It was great. And Anthony and I are buddies, you know, and, and we always have been, and that's why we've continued to do things over the years together because we love each other and we love doing stuff together, you know, and, and we also, we're also smart enough to know that the, the package of the two of us is a commodity that's better than Mm. either one of us, you know,
1: (laughs) that's how I feel about my (laughs) twins.
0: I absolutely agree, Connor. Wait, so uh, I'm curious about the original cast. So obviously you were in the trenches together and then you reunited most recently for the Rent Live production what is the relationship of that it was 15 people right in the core group yeah what is that what is that relationship like
2: it's a bond you know every once in a while you you uh, an entire cast will make a bond like that you know what i mean with every show i've definitely bonded with certain people individuals but you know what i mean but like there are certain shows sometimes the whole cast just like and rent was obviously like that and interestingly enough the something rotten national tour was like that, like mm. all, like even to this day we have a text thread with all of us that we are all constantly in every day. You know what I mean? Like everyone is still actively in their lives. And what what was great about coming back for that rent live thing was that a lot of us had bec- you know so do you, you go in your own ways and you you fall out of touch it brought us all back together in a way that nothing else would have and it was so magical and wonderful for all of us like the experience of that day for us was to be with each other you know what i mean Mm -hmm. all of the other stuff and the live tv thing and all it was like it's like it might not have well been going on it's like (laughs) you know what i mean it wasn't about that for us it was about seeing each other and being with each other and we reignited a text thread that we now have too with that which is really Uh. special as well so you know it was just um It's a bond that, you know, there's only 14 other people on this planet that experienced what I experienced, or at least as close to what I experienced. Obviously, nobody had the same exact experience, but you know what I mean? But there's only 14 other people that went through it with, you know, like I did. And that's a bond we will all always have with each other. That's so special. Wait,
1: I just thought of something and- I'm probably misremembering this, but there's, of course, great legend about, you know, after Jonathan had passed, you all gathered together to sing through the show and then through, was it during La Bohem, Boheme, the excitement built and you all just, you know, got up and started dancing and stuff. Yes. And after the performance, someone said, thank you, Jonathan Larson. Do you remember this moment? Yes. When someone said, thank you, Jonathan Larson.
2: Uh, well, I remember, yes, I do. I don't remember who said it, but somebody said it. <laughs>
1: uh uh-uh.
2: that's
0: beautiful. I love that even more is that we, we don't necessarily know who said it. Yeah.
2: I do remember that, but somebody, yeah. Somebody shouted that out. Yeah. I'm sh- I bet you Anthony knows who said it. Anthony always knows that kind of stuff. He so does. I- I'm sure. I'm sure he knows who said
0: it. Well, thank you for sharing all the stories with us. It, it's oh, truly so incredible. And, and I'm, I'm waiting for a book from you because Anthony's book, was it was a big big biggie for me growing up
2: you know what i actually was going to write a book during the lockdown but a lot of the subject matter has to do with my personal life Mm -hmm. has to do with my ex-wife um and she doesn't want me talking about her (laughs) and so and i respect that and understand (laughs) that so yeah i kind of can't i can't write the book without 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 that you know maybe
0: maybe a new uh, album maybe maybe some original tunes
2: Yeah, sure. There's always that, you know what I mean? And I'm always kind of playing around with different songs. But, you know, I learned years ago that like the original music aspect of my career of me writing music is so is this big, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like there's very few people who are, are really interested in that from me. And I'm okay with that. I get that. that. you know what I mean? That's not that's not what they want from me. They want to hear me sing and they want to hear me sing songs that they know. And I think that they and look, I you know what I'd really love to do, and people seem to really like. So in a way, it's like I'm getting the best of both worlds. Like where like my interpretations of of Broadway mm-hmm. material is a way that I can bring my original sense, sensibilities musically to songs that people know and still give them what they want and but present it in a way that's uniquely mm-hmm. me. And that is something that I'm really proud of and that I am really excited. about.
0: You know what I want from you, Adam, and from my lips to some producers ears, is I want to see you as Jean Valjean. Yeah. I, I want to hear you. Sing yes, me too. Home. I really want that.
2: Yeah. You know what? I, I've said it enough out loud that it will definitely happen I'm sure at some point and luckily it's not really a role that I can kind of age out of, (laughs) at least not for a while so I think it'll happen at some point you know I again I've said it enough and I mean god at some point you would think somebody would go yeah I'll put him in my production
1: I know what the hell
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's gotta happen you know
1: manifesting I believe really does work yeah so another one of my favorites you've been in is Aida and it's Interesting to hear you talk about how Elton John was an, a musical influence for you when you were a kid, yeah. and then you're in this Elton John musical on Broadway, which has this unbelievable score. Was Aida the thing you went to after you left Rent? Yes. Okay, comparing the two Broadway experiences, you know, they were both original musicals. Right. Um, what was What was that like for you?
2: Well, it, it was very interesting, very rewarding, obviously both of them in their own respects, but the experience was very different in in several respects. Okay, so both original musicals, Rent, coming from one end of the spectrum, which is like you know off Broadway, no money, no budget, no this, no that, all unknowns, all you know. Bre- you know, to going on to become this monster hit, critically acclaimed, Pulitzers, you know, like I mean, just revered, obviously. To then doing Aida, all the money in the world, Disney, Elton, glitz, glamour, lights, magic smoke and mirrors but still a really good show in many ways but the the industry at the time and i don't it, it doesn't seem to be the case so much at, at, anymore at all but 20 years ago disney still was suffering from the the snobbery of the broadway community mm-hmm. in looking down like a disney show are you going to put another cartoon on the stage mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so anyway so I think a lot of people and a lot of critics and certainly, again, the the snobby ass Broadway community (laughs) um, had already had their talons out for for Aida. They weren't going to they weren't going to let Elton and Disney have a big hit. Mm. They just weren't going to let no matter how good it was, they were not going to let them have a big hit. And that is very clearly illustrated by the fact that the show was not nominated for Best Musical.
0: Oof, I didn't know that. Oh, that's criminal. But Heather won.
2: Well, so it gets even more criminal because of that. And not only did Heather win, the show won four Tonys, including Best Actress and Best Score. Holy. Best Score? How could a show that, that gets nominated and wins Best Score and Best Actress? And, and two other ones, I don't even mm-hmm. remember what they were, but whatever. Does that show really not even merit a, a right. nomination for Best Musical?
0: That's I mean, insane. Drama. What's going yeah. on here?
2: Yeah. And I talk about that all Mm -hmm. the time whenever I have the opportunity to talk about it because I want to remind people that that happened, Mm -hmm. you know, and and remind people that the fucking Contact, Mm -hmm. that show that had no live music, no story, no nothing. It was just a dance review. That show is what won Best Musical.
0: A show that we'll never see again. But
1: Aida is like...
2: You'll never see, of course. Who even knows what that is?
1: I've never... I have to tell you, I have to come out. I've never heard of Contact.
2: (laughs) you haven't because it's not even a show it's a, it was like a dance a piece look i don't, I don't need to yeah. disparage content yeah, yeah or whatever yeah. but it should not have won best musical
0: <laughs> that's bizarre people said it was like a play with music more so than anything else and we will never see it something like that again yeah. because wow well how upsetting oh, adam i appreciate you i appreciate you speaking truth to that because that is ridiculous and i'd hope to think there have been changes because i mean newsies was a hit and i mean little mermaid wasn't but aladdin is still going to be back up and running and but Aida wasn't even a cartoon first. It was.
2: Look, I can tell you something. We are twenty years on now, and Tom Schumacher, who runs Disney Theatricals, has proven himself mm-hmm. over and over again to be a genius at what he does, and and you know is somebody who I would venture to say all all producers, including. Jeffrey Sellers and Dave, David Stone and the, the big shots and Kevin McCollum, that they all look to Tom to, for, for advice and for, you know, and if they don't, they're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, well, they're clearly not stupid. They're smarter than me. They're successful producers <laughs> and I'm not. But you know what I mean? like Like, I just think that, Disney has maybe hopefully earned the respect that they deserve. I, th- I think Definitely they have. Under yes. the tutelage of Tom Schumacher.
1: Do you remember hearing the rumor that there was going to be an Aida film with Beyonce as Aida and Christina Aguilera as Amneris? Of
2: course, it's silly. You know, look, whenever a show... Whenever a show, like a musical becomes a huge hit, right, and then they immediately it's like, ooh, let's make mm-hmm. a movie, and what pop stars would be perfect in that role, and then let's start a rumor that that's actually uh-huh. happened. That's <laughs> why I love that
1: we're almost at 20 years of Wicked, and the movie has yet to happen. And I think that's kind of amazing.
2: Isn't it happening now?
1: Allegedly, now, aren't
2: they shooting the movie? Like I, th- I heard that like it's happening.
1: It's it's going down.
2: That's what I heard. I mean, yeah, that's what. I
1: Interesting. Heard. Okay. At last. Yeah, I suppose I was just, I was thinking about it recently. Like that's probably the last big hit we have that isn't a, has doesn't have a film version uh, yet
2: well there's certainly hamilton oh yeah yeah, yeah which true. which true, true, will true. undoubtedly become a movie at some point and, uh-huh. and you know what you know, uh-huh. start to hear those same rumors like who's gonna play zonzo who's gonna play zonzo uh-huh. is it gonna be jennifer lopez <laughs> you know i want that yeah she doesn't have those pipes <laughs> you know what i gotta tell you something i loved in the heights the movie I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. But I have to be honest with you. I really, really missed. I know those voices from from Broadway. Like I was like, going to say the same can't, thing. You mm-hmm. you can't replace Mandy Gonzalez with that little girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> with that lovely, lovely little girl uh, and a wonderful little girl. But I know. You can't you, those you can't replace that voice with with her voice or Karen like, Olivo you know I mean? for that matter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just completely
1: you know. agree. Yes, I'm I'm with you. I loved Anthony Ramos as Usnavi, but I'm with you with the, the young girls, as they say. Yeah. Okay, Adam, I could talk to you forever about all of your, your <laughs> incredible life and career experiences. You truly have So many stories and so many we never even got to touch on, but we're sadly coming to the end of this show and we like to end on a dose of drama, something to leave our listeners with, perhaps something to recommend, rant about, rave about. And I want to recommend everybody a book that I'm reading. Okay. I know your jaw's on the floor. I've read my second book in the last year. This is crazy, but it was so good. It's by Casey Wilson, who maybe you might know as a comedic actress from the short lived but much loved sitcom, Happy Endings. She hosts the Bitch Sesh podcast about the housewives. She, she was on SNL for a couple of years. Anyway, the book is an incredible essay collection, and it is so funny, heartbreaking. There's a through line about her grieving through the loss of her mother, um, who passed unexpectedly, and it is so funny, self-aware, relatable. Everybody has got to pick up this book. You will blow through it in, like, days. It's a perfect summer read. It's called The Wreckage of My Presence. Nice. So. That is my dose of drama. Dylan, do you have one? Today? I do.
0: This is I'm going to be I'm going to be vulnerable and share some personal drama today. I, for the first time, so in nine years, I have an audition for a musical today. I'm, I'm auditioning for some local theater.
2: Congratulations. And actually,
0: thank you, Adam. And actually, interestingly enough, I'm singing a song from Rocky Horror. So I'm, singing. I'm doing Damn It, Janet.
2: OK, oh, that's great. I would love to see that. Why
0: not? Why not? Right? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Well, thank you for the, thank you for the vote of confidence. We'll see how it goes. I am so damn nervous, but I need to remember I'm treating it as a performance. This is just going to be fun.
2: Is it a, is it an in-person audition?
0: It is, but I have to wear a
1: mask okay. up until I step onto the little platform.
2: Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, good luck.
1: Yeah. Adam, any, any audition, adv- you know, Dylan <laughs> and I aren't actors. So any ad- audition yeah. advice for Dylan?
2: Yeah, less is more. Okay. Less is always more. Absolutely. So don't do things, quote in quote marks, because you feel like you need to be doing something.
0: You mean like acting it out?
2: Yeah, it's always better to do nothing. Right. Allow okay. the allow the song and the music to do a lot of the work.
1: Amazing advice. Yes. Thank you yes. so much. Okay. We should we should be paying you for your master class. I know.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I cut it off I have a certain number of words. <laughs> <laughs> If I had said five more words, yeah, I would charge. Okay, Sometimes okay. I Sometimes I have to stop mid-sentence. Yeah. You know. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> oh, that's funny, Adam. Do you have a dose of drama to end the show with?
2: Sure. So uh, I discovered this guy on YouTube over the over the um, pandemic, and and he's he's I think he's wonderful. And if you are a somewhat left-leaning political politically skewed person you're
0: in good company uh, you, right you now. might
2: like <laughs> yeah you might like him his name is david packman okay um and he has a very popular show he's a you know he's a, a news correspondent according to a journalist. he's a you know
0: like a pundit of sorts
2: yeah a journalist and a pundit and um yeah and uh and he has a show a very popular show on youtube and he's incredibly smart and incredibly insightful and i just I love him. And I, and I'm so, yeah, so I'm, I'm recommending him. His name is uh, David Packman.
0: All right. Yeah. We'll love drop it. a link. I love that. I think that that's what we need right now is some level-headed smart, yeah. not necessarily tied to any big machine voices no. right now. So that's awesome. not at all.
2: Exactly. Exactly. He is a straight up independent.
0: Love it. Well, Adam, listen, it's a, this was a dream come true. I can't even believe you agreed to talk to us on a podcast called drama. Oh
2: God. Of course. <laughs> I'm all about drama guys. I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will obviously have to tune in to your streaming show, which will include all the information in the notes and any concerts that you have coming up. We are forever fans. We of course are following you on Instagram. It's just at Adam Pascal on Instagram, right? Correct. Okay. And I believe you're on cameo now.
2: Uh, yes. I've been on cameo for a while. Cameo put my son through his first year of college. So, um, i am extremely grateful to cameo and to all of my fans who i oh,
1: love it me. i love it oh we've got to get people to uh request your cameos thank thank you so much adam this was a dream come true
2: oh guys thank you so much that's very kind of you to say. i appreciate it
1: all right and everyone should follow me at
0: dylan mcdowell connor at connor mcdowell and us at the drama podcast while you're at it leave a review
2: we haven't gotten one in a while and connor i will see you next time drama, drama!